Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Good morning. So I do have something funny today. Usually when I'm looking for something funny, I can never find it. This one just, sometimes it's just, the, be, the best things seem to just come to me. Just like, just God just, on the silver platter, they just come to me, I'll find them like by accident. So um, marriage is funny. I'm not preaching about marriage, by the way, this, but I have something funny about marriage. So we need to find humor in marriage, amen? And these are just for fun. Don't take them too seriously. Actually, don't take them seriously at all. They're, they're just to make us laugh this morning. So I have just eight things on marriage. So number one, marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other is the husband. <laughs> number two, married life is so easy. It's like a walk in the park. The problem is it's Jurassic Park. Amen. I got, a, I got a loud amen over here somewhere. I'm not going to say who. Men, uh, men, never laugh at your wife's choices. You're one of them. Okay, math after marriage. <laughs> math after marriage is easy. If you have $20 and your wife has five, she has 25. <laughs> Listening to your wife is like reading the terms and conditions of a website. You really don't understand, but you still say, I agree. Two golden rules to a happy marriage. Number one, the wife is always right. Number two, when you feel that she is wrong, slap yourself and read rule number one again. <laughs> I have to do that sometimes. Number seven, if at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way your wife told you. <laughs> and the last one, and this, this one's kind of true. The rest are not really true, but this one's kind of true. Before marrying someone... You should first make them use a computer with slow internet, then you'll see who they really are. Oh, it's good to laugh. So thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do today. Lord, we just, we thank you, God, that you um, are here with us today, that Jesus, you live in our heart, that Holy Spirit, you're with us all the time. You said you'd never leave us, you'd never forsake us. God, you're going to do something special in the service today. I feel that. God, I just pray that you're just breaking down long-held strongholds, even lifelong strongholds. We believe you can break through in an instant, God. God, we just declare that you are doing something special. We declare that there's breakthrough in the atmosphere. And God, we just pray that we're, we're, our hearts are ready to receive what you have for us today, God. We don't want to leave this place a different person, God. We don't want to leave this place the same. We want to be changed, God. So we thank you. Have your way. In fact, just put your hand on your heart this morning. Just say, have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. I welcome you. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. God has called you to a life of victory. God has called you to a life of victory. Too many Christians 
negotiate this. They compromise on this, but we cannot compromise on this point. God has called us to a life of victory. We are called to go from glory to glory to glory. In Proverbs 4, it says, the righteous are like the light of dawn that get brighter and brighter and brighter. So as a Christian, we need to continually expect to grow. We need to continually expect more and more breakthrough. We need to contend for our physical healings. We need to contend for our emotional healings. We need to believe that we're going to get set free. We don't, we don't accept a life of depression. We don't accept a life of anxiety, but we need to contend. It's the trap of the enemy to get you to believe that that's, that's just the way it is. You're stuck there and you can't do anything about it. It's the trap of the enemy when God is saying, I want to take you from glory to glory to glory to glory. Amen. We need to live a life of victory. God has paid for a life of victory through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't negotiate this one. And this is a non-negotiable, I believe, for Christians. Jesus didn't die on the cross to give you the ability to cope. He died to give you the ability to conquer. Amen? He died to give you the ability to conquer. We are supposed to live a life of increasing victory. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Victory is your birthright as a child of God. When you said yes to Jesus, victory became your birthright. We read that scripture. We sang that scripture today. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. And it goes on later in that chapter to say, Your righteousness and your vindication, and some translations say, And your victory is from the Lord. So we need to cling to victory. 1 John 5, 4 says this, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. How many know that you're born of God when you said yes to Jesus? It says, whatever is born of God, that's all of you if you've said yes to Jesus in your heart. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. There's victory in your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ for every area of your life. There's victory in your faith. That's why the enemy, he's coming after your faith. That's why he brings doubt. He brings second guessing. He wants to bring strongholds because he's attacking your faith because he knows there's victory in your faith. There's victory in your faith. Revelation 12, 11 says this, and they overcame him, meaning us, the Christians, him meaning Satan, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. We're meant to be overcomers. It says they overcame by the blood of the lamb. God has intended us, all of us, to be overcomers. You're an overcomer. You are an overcomer. This is your birthright. As a child of God, you're an overcomer. Now, the fact that we're overcomers implies that we have some things to overcome. Jesus didn't promise us a life without trials. In fact, he promised us that we would have trials. He said, in this life, you are going to have uh, trials, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So we step into that position that Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world because he's overcome the world. In Christ, we've overcome. In Christ, we've overcome. 
And so we can step into that place of overcoming. So we're overcomers, but that just tells us that there's some things that we have to overcome. Welcome to life. Welcome to the human experience. Don't be discouraged that you have some things to overcome. We all do. All of us do. We all have things that we're working on that we need to overcome, that we're believing for God to do in our life. This is the life of a believer. We hold on to faith that we're going to overcome. So oftentimes, uh, Christians are facing the same things that the world is facing, but the big difference is we have a better solution. We have Jesus Christ. So right now, this whole world, we're all facing the pandemic together, but if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, you have a great solution. You have a better solution. So we have reason now, like when the pandemic started, the Lord started speaking to me. He's like, I want you to get excited. And so I I started to get excited, not because of pandemic, of course, but because I knew that God was doing something and that God was going to protect us and that God is advancing his church in all seasons. So we have reason to be excited. We have reason to be optimistic in every season because we're in Christ Jesus. Amen. We have a solution in Christ Jesus. So when you're saved, you become a whole new creation. And your spirit gets joined to Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, he who joins his spirit with Holy Spirit is one spirit with him. And we know, so when you're saved, the Bible says Jesus lives in your heart. It's, it's kind of a mystery because we're like, well, isn't Jesus in heaven? Yes. Is Jesus in your heart? Yes. Are you seated in heavenly places with Jesus? Yes. Are you also seated in Awaken Life Church? Yes. So it's, it's a mystery, but it's true. And the reason that you can hear the voice of the Lord is because he lives inside of you. We, we tend to think it's hard to hear his voice. He's right here. He's, he's close to us. The Holy Spirit is close to us. He has joined his spirit with our spirit when we said yes to Jesus. So when you were saved, you became a whole new creation, but your soul needs to be healed. So your spirit was renewed, your spirit is joined to Holy Spirit, but your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your soul needs to be healed. And we're going to talk about healing emotions today and healing some things in the mind. So God wants to heal your emotions. He wants to renew your mind. Emotional issues in your life or problems need to be healed. So here's the good news. Jesus Christ will heal your emotional issues. Jesus Christ will absolutely heal your emotional issues. I'm walking proof of it. It, It's funny, it just came up last night at the dinner table. Um, I'm thankful my daughter is 17 and she's never seen this side of me. But early in our marriage and early in my adulthood, I I was very angry. I had a real issue with anger. And the Lord set me free from anger. It was an emotional issue I had. I grew up with... um, under physical abuse, and at some point it became rage and anger inside of me. And underneath anger is usually a sad little boy or a sad little girl that needs to receive God's emotional healing. So God supernaturally took anger from me. I honestly can't even explain it. I woke up one day and it, and it left me. I just felt, I felt like, oh, I'm not angry anymore. It just like, it was gone. And the only way I have to explain it is that I started facing my Lord, my life toward the Lord. And when you do that, I believe God supernaturally quickens your healing process. And so I started to face my life towards the Lord and he knew I can't go where I'm supposed to go with this issue in my life. 
And so that's something that God delivered me from around the time Tia was a baby or maybe even a little before that. God wants to heal your emotional issues. When you start to move towards your destiny, God will accelerate your healing. I believe that with all my heart. Let me say that again. When you start to move towards your destiny, towards the purpose in your life, towards the reason that God's put you here, when you start to move towards that, God will accelerate the healing in your life. I believe that with all my heart. I look at my life, and there's really nothing that happened before I turned my life towards the Lord. The moment I turned my life towards the Lord, he started to heal one thing after another, after another, after another. So it's a trap of the enemy. Another trap is he wants to keep you in fear from pursuing destiny because he knows that when you do that, there's healing waiting for you. So God also healed me from the spirit of fear and intimidation. If he hadn't healed me of that, I wouldn't be here today. Probably you guys wouldn't be here either. <laughs> I, and I'm not going to share the whole testimony, but I used to be terrified to speak in front of people. I was terrified. I'd look at the pastor on stage and be like, I could never do that. And that was God's little joke because he's like, that's actually what I've called you to do. I was terrified, and I was terrified of um, certain male authority figures in my life. Like, I would, I would get real tripped up on my words and get nervous around them. And my story was God healed me in an instant. Like, one day I was scared to, to stand up in front of people, and the next day I was ready to preach. So God absolutely wants to heal your emotional issues, and he will do it. It's part of holding on to that faith, believing that God wants to heal this. Oh, man, child of God. God wants you whole. He doesn't want, we, and any of us with children know this. We don't like to see our children stuck in their issues, but we want to see them whole. Your father is no different. He wants to see you whole. So we need to cling on to the fact that God wants to set us free of emotional issues and believe for it. So when you get saved, you have a whole new spirit, but you can bring some of your old emotional issues negative patterns of thinking over into your Christian life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, he was quoting Isaiah 61. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor favor. Jesus paid for the price. He paid the price for all that you need to overcome and be victorious over ever, every single issue that you're facing. You know, Jesus was saying in that passage, he read the passage, and you know if you've read it, he says, he sits down and says, today this passage has been fulfilled. What was he saying? That's, that's me. I'm here to set free those who are oppressed. If you're, if you're suffering from fear, anxiety, that's oppression that God's never intended you to be under that Jesus actually paid the price to set you free from. Christ paid the price for all that you need to overcome and be victorious. So today, I'm going to talk about overcoming rejection. Overcoming rejection. And this has been on my heart for a few weeks to talk about. God started talking to me about, uh, talking to me about this about a month ago. And 
How many have ever had when God opens up a conversation with you, you start seeing it everywhere? It's like God started to open up this conversation with me, and all of a sudden, it's, it's like everywhere I'm seeing this. I'm seeing certain people that struggle with it. I'm seeing how it affects our lives. I'm seeing how it's affected my own life. And God has something amazing for us this morning. This morning, Every one of us has experienced rejection at some point. And some of, some of you may even have a spirit of rejection. And if you have a spirit of rejection, it, it impacts everything in your life. It impacts the way you see yourself. It impacts the way you interact with other people. And it even impacts the way you see God. So if you have a spirit of rejection, you really can't see reality. Because you're seen through pains and hurts of the past. You know, one of the definitions of narcissism is not being able to see through other people's perspective, like you're only willing to see through your own perspective. And when you're seen through a stronghold, you really can't see what's real. You can't see reality. That's why we need people in our life to say, hey, this feels like this, it seems like this, but what do you see? Like, you know, we need spiritual fathers and mothers and pastors and teachers and brothers and sisters that will actually tell us what they see so we can see reality. So if you're looking through the stronghold of rejection, you actually can't see what's real. You can't see what's reality. And you'll often misinterpret things. You'll misinterpret the Bible. You'll misinterpret people's actions towards you. You'll misinterpret things in your marriage, and you'll, you'll receive rejection from things that are not even meant to be rejection all the time. 1 John 4, 8 says this, God is love. That's a good scripture to memorize, by the way. And it's easy. God is love. So we're created by love. We're created by love, to love, and our greatest need is to be loved. Because love is our greatest need, rejection is our greatest fear. Love is our greatest need. We're created to be loved, and rejection is our greatest fear. My parents, uh, they divorced when I was six years old. That's a little, just a little bit about my story. I went to 12 different schools between first grade and 12th grade. I moved around from mom to dad to aunts and uncles, grandma and grandpa, bounced around all over the place. I experienced physical abuse as a child. I didn't really have a dad in my life. And at some point in all of that, uh, in my childhood, a spirit of rejection came upon me. And I remember that my number one desire was to be accepted and loved. And my number one fear was, to, was being rejected. I would avoid any situations. And I didn't realize this at the time. But in hindsight, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I would avoid any possibility of being rejected because I was so afraid of being rejected. I was so afraid of not being accepted, of, of hearing rejection or of experiencing rejection. And it affected everything in my life. It caused me not to do things that I wanted to do. It caused me not to pursue things that I wanted to pursue. It caused me not, not to pursue relationships that I wanted to pursue. And I became a prisoner to it. Without even realizing it, I was a prisoner to the spirit of rejection. 
because it was controlling and affecting my life and it was keeping me from actually doing the things I wanted to do, from being around the people I wanted to be, be with, pursuing the relationships that I wanted to pursue. So when we struggle with rejection, it'll affect your whole life. It, it can affect your hopes and dreams. Your fear of rejection becomes bigger than your desire to see your dreams fulfilled. Your fear of, of just doing something and failing is so big, it's bigger than the hope of actually accomplishing what's on your heart. The fear of rejection will stop you from pursuing what God's called you to pursue. It can affect your relationships and keep you from pursuing deep relationship with people. You won't let people get close to you. And if people start getting too close to you, you'll sabotage the relationship unknowingly. Like, it's just like, I, I, I remember doing this. And it wasn't, I wasn't even trying to do it. It was just like that, that spirit, I was so familiar with it that I would just sabotage relationships as I got too close. So it can affect your hopes and dreams. It can affect your relationships. It'll keep you pursuing deep relationship. It'll cause a lack of commitment in your life. It's the lie is like, if, I, if I'm committed, if I get in too close in church with people, if I get in too close with work with people, if I get too deep into this club, I'm going to get rejected. So it'll keep you from staying outside of like really giving yourself to something or really committing because you're like, I'm not doing that. There's pain at the end of that. So how many know Jesus? He was tempted in every way except without sin. So Jesus experienced the things that we experience, and Jesus was actually the most rejected man to ever walk the earth. Think about this. He was rejected by his earthly father, Joseph. When Joseph found out Mary was pregnant, he wanted nothing to do with Mary or her baby. Now we know he eventually accepted them, but his initial reaction was, no, I don't want anything to do with that. He was rejected by Joseph. He was rejected by his hometown. I was just reading a couple nights ago. You know, when Jesus read Isaiah 61, that passage that we just read, that didn't end well for him. It ended, that was in his hometown. That ended with people in his hometown trying to push him off of a cliff. He was rejected by his hometown. He was rejected by church, the church leaders, and by the church. He was condemned to die by his own people. And for a moment on the cross, he was even rejected by God. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So how many know the beauty is this, that Jesus was rejected so that you and I could be accepted? Jesus took rejection on our behalf so that we could live accepted. He wants us to live accepted. He took rejection on our behalf. He was the most rejected man to ever walk the earth, but it never affected how he saw himself or how he treated other people. It never affected how he saw himself or how he treated other people. So when we're rejected, the enemy wants to come in and bring lies into your mind and into your heart. And here's some of the lies that the enemy introduces during moments of rejection or perceived rejection. 
often we're not even really being rejected, but since we have a, a lens of rejection, we, we can perceive it when it's not even really happening. So this is the lies the enemy wants to bring in. You're not valuable. You're not valuable. If you were valuable, people wouldn't reject you. They're rejecting you because you're not valuable. No one will ever love you. No one will ever love you. You're defective. There's something wrong with you. If, 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 the, if you were normal, if there wasn't something wrong with you, people would accept you, but they're rejecting you because there's something wrong with you. People don't love you because God doesn't love you. He loves that one. You know, God's mad at you right now. That's why you're experiencing this rejection. God doesn't love you either. You're being rejected because God's rejected you. You're unlovable. You're undesirable. That's why you're experiencing rejection. You're a loser. You're always going to be disappointed. Get used to it. Get used to being disappointed. You see how this wars against the truth? And we started today by talking about we need to live a life of victory and expect victory. And the enemy, he is doing everything he can to war against what God says. You're always, you're always going to be disappointed. Don't let people in because they'll always hurt you. Here's one I believed. You can't trust those who are closest to you. You just can't trust them. You can't trust. If someone gets close enough to you, they're going to hurt you. You can't trust those who are close to you. Here's another one he likes to bring in, especially, especially when we experience rejection or perceived rejection. People don't, care about, people don't care about you. They just want to use you to get what they want. People don't really care about you. If someone compliments you, it's just because they want something from you. People don't really care about you. They're just using you. There's another one. Live for yourself. Don't let other people hurt, hurt you. Live for yourself. Do what makes you happy. I met a Satanist once, and we had a conversation. And he goes, you know what? It's not really what people think. He goes, we just believe you do what you need to do in this life to make yourself happy. How many know that's the quickest way to become unhappy? You're not meant to live for yourself and to make yourself happy. You're meant to be filled by God and then outflow. Filled by the love of God and then give love out. To be loved and to give love. Not to make yourself happy. What does the spirit of rejection do? It works to destroy your self-esteem and purpose. It causes you to reject other people before they have the opportunity to reject you. I've seen this, and I've done this too, but I've also seen it, and it's hard to watch. It causes you to base your worth on what you do instead of who you are in Christ. It'll cause you to base your worth on your performance, what you do, instead of who you are in Christ. It causes you to imagine situations in the future where you're rejected already. So you might start dreaming about something, hoping for something. Maybe, maybe you're like a, a mover like I am, 
And like what I mean by that is like business ideas and just creative ideas. And you start to think about, oh, what if I could do this? And the enemy wants to come in and show you that failing. This is how that's going to end in pain. It causes you to imagine situations in the future where you're already rejected in relationships and, and things that you're pursuing. It lies to you about who you are and, and your identity. It makes you feel like you'll never be wanted and you'll never be truly loved. It causes you to compare yourself with others. It causes you to have an extremely hard time with compliments. And man, I, I'm still working on that one. I've progressed. But people used to say like, hey, I enjoyed your message today. And I would say like, oh, Jesus, he's so awesome. Like, thank you, Lord. It's all Jesus. And I started realizing like that, that didn't actually make God happy. <laughs> because Jesus actually wants us to be amazing. And he's okay with us being amazing. And so if you tell me like, hey, pastor, I loved your message. I'll tell you what I'll say now. I'll say thank you. I appreciate that. Because God's okay with us receiving a compliment. He wants us to be amazing. So if you find yourself deflecting compliments all the time, like someone's like, man, that was awesome that you did that. And you're like, oh, bless God, brother. Bless God. Or this person. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deflect that to this person. It can be a spirit of rejection. Let's see, where was I? Causes you to compare yourself to others. Causes you to have a hard time with compliments. Causes you to sabotage relationships. You seek the approval of others and, and sometimes suffer from people-pleasing. It, it seems to be like you'll either become a people-pleaser and just really care about what people think, or you'll just really withdraw and just be like, I don't care what anybody thinks and I don't want to be around anybody. It's usually one of those. It causes you to be easily offended or embarrassed, especially from correction. One of the things, I love talking about Levi. He's just such an amazing man of God. But one of the things I noticed being around him is he has just such a deep level of sonship, and he's really not easily embarrassed at all. Like, he's just, he's just kind of like, this is who I am. He's not easily embarrassed. Um, someone like Levi, and I've had other men like this that are just really strong in sonship, you can bring feedback, and they thank you for it. Like feedback that's like, hey, um, you know what I mean by feedback? Like, hey, I'm concerned about this, or hey, um, you know, this happened, and, you know, I needed, I'm just wondering what's going on with this. Like that type of feedback. I've had exchanges with men like that that are deep in sonship, and they don't get offended or they don't defend themselves. They actually thank you for the feedback. Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. That's going to help me. I'm going to integrate that into my life. So when you have a spirit of rejection and you get feedback or you get correction, it's like instantly you start defending yourself. It's really hard for people with a spirit of rejection just to say, like, just to listen and actually not deflect and just receive, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to work on that. Or, or, oh, this is what happened, and it's like there's no offense there. You're always trying to prove yourself. Sometimes a lot in public you try to prove yourself causes you to believe that God will do other things for other people, but not for you. So I've seen, seen it play out like this. Like you have big faith for healing for other people, but you're like, well, but God's not going to heal me. 
if you have big faith for God to move in people's finances and do other things, but you're like, but he, he won't, you really believe inside, like, but he won't do that for me. So how do we overcome rejection? We've identified what it is, what it looks like. How do we overcome it? So the cure for rejection is receiving God's full acceptance. God's full acceptance. Romans 8.15 says this, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. How many know that rejection is a type of slavery? Like I said, I was a slave to it because it was controlling my whole life. Rejection is a type of slavery. God said, I've not given you the spirit of slavery. I've given you the spirit of adoption. And in the Passion Translation, it says, I've given you the spirit of full acceptance. Full acceptance. Do you see how that's the total polar counter to rejection? I've given you, what God's given us is the spirit of full acceptance. The enemy wants to use rejection against you because it's the counter opposite of what God has given you. He's actually given you the spirit of full acceptance. Here's a scripture that's so important that God put it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If you see a scripture that's in both old and new, pay special attention to those. Like the one I just read, Isaiah 61, when Jesus quoted it again in Luke 4, that's a very special passage that we need to hold close. Another passage or another scripture that's in both old and new is this. I will never leave you or forsake you. Do you see the spirit of full acceptance there? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And when you study that scripture, leave means he'll never physically leave you like he'll always be with you. But the word forsake, it actually means he will never reject you. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. It means I'll never reject you. When you receive Jesus, you become unrejectable by God because you're in Christ and you're fully accepted. You're fully accepted in Jesus. Psalm 27 says this. This is so good. This is David speaking. He says, though my father and mother forsake me or reject me, the Lord will receive me. I want to read this in other translations. I wrote down about six other translations. By the way, like Winnie Banoff, how many know who, who that is? She's like been permanently drunk in the spirit for over 20 years. She's the woman who like we met her 10 years ago with her husband, uh, Georgian, and I think both of us, my wife and I were both kind of like, is this, is this lady for real? This is like almost too much. <laughs> she just, it was so over the top, just like, ah, ha, 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 And just, you know, just, and her husband is like, she's been like, this was 10 years ago. He's like, she's been like this for 12 years. We went through a fire tunnel and she was in the, in the fire tunnel praying for people and just like, ah, ha, 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 just praying for people. Joy comes by and Joy's like so skeptical. She's like, I don't know about this woman. This is a little weird. This woman lays her hand on Joy. Joy goes down in the spirit and she laughs, laughs for 24 hours straight. 
She can't stop laughing. She's laughing all day long, all, all night in her sleep. She's dreaming that she's laughing. She's laughing out loud in her sleep. She wakes up laughing. We're driving back. That was in California. We're driving back to Phoenix, and she's laughing the whole drive back. <laughs> so Winnie Banhoff, she says this. She says, one of the keys to staying drunk in the Lord is reading from multiple translations. She's like, I read. I'll take a scripture, and I'll read every translation I can find on it and just meditate and soak in it. If, if you want to do that, um, biblehub.com, it'll give you, put in the scripture address and it'll give you 30 different translations. And I, I use that all the time to look through, like what does every translation say? It'll give you like the main, 30 main translations. So here's Psalm 2710 in different translations. This is so good. Let me take a drink real quick. Because NASB is the one I read. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Another translation says, the Lord will hold me close. The Lord will take me in. Another translation says, the Lord will take care of me. I love this next one. The Lord gathers me up. The Lord has taken me to himself. And the passion says, the Lord took me in and made me his. So even if everyone else has rejected you, the Lord has taken you in and he's made you his. And his is the only perspective, the only opinion that really matters of, of you. And he says, you're fully accepted. I'll never leave you. I'll never reject you. You're fully accepted through my son, Jesus Christ. We know Jesus. Man, he went through so much and he was rejected by the Father so that we could be accepted. We know he was beaten. He was mocked. He was rejected by all those around him. Even his disciples rejected him. His disciples left him when he was arrested. They all left. They all ran away. They had a crown of thorns that they smashed on his head. They beat him. They put him on a cross. And he went through all that so we could be accepted. So that we could receive the spirit of full acceptance. He was willing to be rejected. You know, something, the difference between us and Jesus is Jesus has promised us that he'll never forsake us. And for a moment, he actually forsook Jesus Christ so that we could be accepted. Wow, how much does the Father love us? How accepted are you by the Father that he would let Jesus be rejected for you so that you didn't have to live a life of rejection? So if you have a spirit of rejection, you must deal with it. You must deal with it and you must take authority over it. Jesus Christ is a name above every name. Jesus Christ is a name above rejection. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, he said, and this is for all believers, he said, behold, I've given you authority over all the power 
of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He gave us authority over how much power of the enemy? All authority. All the power of the enemy. He gave us authority over all the power of the enemy. Rejection is a force of the enemy that God has given you authority over. And I'm telling you, when you step into that authority, you'll begin to see that spirit and that thing break in your life right now. You'll begin to see it break in your life right now. If you're struggling with rejection, God's going to break it off you today. He's going to break it off you right now. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I would like us to, to say this prayer together. And if you're being affected by the spirit of rejection, it's going to break off you right now. It has to go. We're giving rejection and eviction notice today. We're no longer going to be controlled by thoughts of rejection. We're no longer going to be held back in pursuing dreams because of the fear of failure. We're no longer going to be resisting relationships because of the fear of being rejected. God's going to break this thing off you right now. So I, I want you to say this prayer with me together. And just repeat after me, and we're just going to come into agreement right now that this thing is going right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I break every agreement I've ever made with the spirit of rejection. I forgive all who have influenced me in this sin. I release any and all unforgiveness toward any parties that were involved. In the mighty name of Jesus, I cut all ties with the spirit of rejection. I renounce and break any agreement with the demonic stronghold of rejection. I take authority over these strongholds and I command them to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. I choose now to let the Holy Spirit fill me with his love, his peace, his sound mind, and I receive the spirit of full acceptance. I come into agreement with God and what he says about me. I am a royal priesthood. I am a son of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. I am an overcomer. I am loved by him. And I am his. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand clap. Now let me tell you right now, it's gone. It's gone. When it tries to come back, you need to laugh at the lies that it tries to bring. And you need to stand in your new identity in Christ. I encourage you to meditate deeply on who you are. Take that passage, Psalm 27, hold it close. Though my mother and father reject me or forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You are accepted by God. You are accepted by God. We're going to step into the spirit of full acceptance. 
So now go. Make relationships with people. Take your land. Don't be afraid to dream. Go after what God's put on your heart that you've been too afraid to go after. Begin to dream again. Begin to pursue that person that you've been afraid that if I pursue them, they'll reject me. Call that person that you've been afraid of. Go and take your land. Rejection can no longer hold you back. I wish Joy was here, but she, she didn't know what I was going to preach this morning. She's in childcare, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember. She just said this morning while we were in prayer, and she had no idea what I was going to speak about. She's like, man, I just see, like, as you're preaching today, she goes, I just see God pulling these dark roots out of people. Rejection that has taken root in your life, God just pulled that out this morning. And you need to stand in your identity in Christ. Rejection can no longer hold us back. Amen.